Hello, and welcome to episode 205 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are my lovely co-hosts, Spirit and Shungaku. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? I'm doing great. The sun is out, spring is almost here. Um, at least I can pretend, because when I open the windows, I freeze into a popsicle immediately, but that's okay. Eventually, I'll be able to open the windows, and I won't be burned or frozen, as it were. We have opposite uh desires uh where it is finally not melting my skin off hot and i am looking forward greatly to fall so you know uh i guess greener pastures or something uh how are you doing this evening eric i am doing wonderful i live in the beautiful state of arizona where temperatures are pretty wonderful all year round you can get to like 102 degrees but it's dry heat so it's not like horrible so my weather is fabulous. <sighs> that still sounds terrible, but that's okay. Uh, you are probably, that means that you're most acclimated to talk about our main subject of the night, which is the beta for the uh, Path of Flame, Fire, Path of Fire. I always want to say flames. Uh, Path of Fire, the demo weekend that we just had, uh, which takes place in Alona, the Crystal Desert. I return there for... Guild Wars 1 veterans who played in Alona. Uh, we're probably going to be kind of all over the place like we normally are, but I think we're going to start with talking about the zone. Is that is that uh, cool with you guys, you other hosts? I like it. So, Spirit I, has no opinion. Uh, yeah, so I think one thing that ArenaNet has always done well is making a desert environment that is interesting and not just sand dunes. And that was true all the way back in Prophecies, uh, and especially true in Alona. It's when you think of a desert, you know, a desert stage or a desert level or a desert world in most video games, they're usually all kind of the same. You know, they have like cactus, they just have like some sand dunes, maybe some skulls and scorpions, but they're really kind of generic. And, or maybe they have sort of an Egyptian theme, but I think. I think that they drew a lot of inspiration from all over in Africa and sort of like Morocco, uh, you know, Egyptian, Ethiopian, all sorts of different types of areas that can be in that sort of biome. And I think I think that they really reflect it well in the the architecture and the clothing but i mean even even the maps you know they're they're clearly arid deserts but they're they're not just normal deserts i don't know there's a lot of character to them deserts once you actually live in a desert you discover that each desert has its own sort of weird character and it's usually not in the greens it's usually in the browns and the and the various colors of rock and the way the rock flows and you sort of see the na- the volcanic nature of uh, so much of the surface of the world by living in a desert. Um, so it is really interesting. I think they did a really good job of actually capturing sort of that desert nature in it. Uh, you- you've got, it's very much so a northern African desert. It's not like a Arizonan desert or a Middle Eastern desert. The trees and all that sort of thing. Uh, really show that it is a very different sort of environment. But uh, it's a really nice mixture of just uh, really pretty trees. It's got that iconic oasis effect. 
Uh, it's got I mean, the water the very Mediterranean oh, looking. Yeah, the water's very Mediterranean, and it's gorgeous. Like, if you are sad that there's not more underwater com- uh, content in Guild Wars Two, this water is not going to make you feel any better about that. It's it's <laughs> glorious water. Uh, and they did a great job. Like, I just swam for like an hour in the bay, just exploring and poking around, and it was really. It was really nice. I should have taken all my armor off and been in my uh, skivvies doing it because, you know, it's silly to swim in, in gold bangles, but that's just how I roll, apparently. Yeah. Um, Spirit, did you have any sort of opening thoughts on the environment? It was fantastic. I didn't... Uh... So so we look at Guild Wars with some rose-tinted glasses, right? <laughs> like, a lot of us loved prophecies, but, you know, you look back at it now uh, somebody posted a picture of the old amnoon oasis and it was like a couple of tents in a sand dune uh and we thought that <laughs> yeah. was beautiful back then and this blew everything that guild wars one had as a crystal desert just out of the water well i do want to comment um, on that a little bit because i think i think there's sort of a distinction between the crystal desert in prophecies and the crystal desert in nightfall um i you know, I think Amnun Oasis is more seems more like an example of time having marched forward in an sure. area, and the Crystal Desert was very cool looking, but it wasn't necessarily that beautiful. Uh, but Alona as a continent was very beautiful in Nightfall because they they brought in like more and more of that, um, more of those different types of aesthetics within the desert and and with the cultures involved in it. Um, but I guess sort of my point in prophecies was that even with the sort of arid death desert that the crystal desert in prophecies was, it was still interesting because they had such interesting, like, uh, the ruins, you know, sort of looked like ships and, you know, all sorts of crazy, they put all sorts of like crazy buildings and ruins of buildings in their desert. Uh, they really added to it, but anyway, but this, but it is beautiful in this game as well. Um, do you- can I just say how excited I am to have something get built up instead of getting torn down over the last 250 years? Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that too much. So did you guys, I know that the first thing that I did was I ran basically the perimeter of the zone. <laughs> did you guys do similar or did you mostly stick around the primary hub of Amnoon Oasis? So I definitely hit the perimeter most of the times that I act- was exploring the map. Uh, especially there were, uh, and I'll talk about this maybe a little bit later. There's this particular part in the sort of the north east of the map that I was particularly interested in for for reasons, and it's the the just the edges were really interesting. There's a lot of like interesting geometry and stuff that you can get on and fiddle with, and you you run into sort of those edge things that that are out there, and all the little animals and the little and that sort of thing. So I, I do like the edges. I probably spent a th- eighth of my time actually in Anmoon. And the rest of the time I was just booking it across the dunes on my on my desert or on my uh, raptor or gliding from very high up. Yeah, I spent I spent the majority of my time like out as far away from Amnoon as I could. Not because Amnoon wasn't interesting, but it, I'm, I'm very much the sort of explorer and discoverer archetype in mmos and so 
it was just like, can I make that jump? Like, can I get over there? Can I, can I climb up this thing? Can I get across this ravine? And I guess we can talk about that some when we talk more specifically about the mounts, but I had a lot of fun just like finding stuff. And so I spent a lot of time just like out there looking around and I found some really cool buildings. Uh, I tweeted out a picture of that. I, it was just like just outside the demo area, but it's clearly part of the map. Uh, oh so that, yeah, I saw that tweet. That's the uh, uh, what was it? Something Elon. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's pretty cool, and it was it was fun to go out there and explore that kind of stuff. Um, but Spirit, did how much time did you spend around Amnoon? A fair amount. I didn't get like I wasn't um, exploring all the nooks and crannies or anything. But basically, I the demo had gone live. I hate their new release time, by the way, I have to say, because it's 4 a.m. my time. Curse you, <laughs> world. Oh, yeah, uh, the adjustment for to make it EU, more yeah. EU-friendly. But I get raid reset, so I can't complain. Um, yeah, so it was already up when Christian got up, and then I got up after him. So he had already been doing stuff, and I, I basically logged on, rolled my character, got in the world, and I was like, all right, take me in to show me all the cool stuff. Um, and I just kind of tagged around with him for a while, doing whatever event we saw or whatever. We were, it was very uh, not focused or whatever. We just ran around to the next thing that looked cool and did it. So um, I would say I've probably seen uh, most of the train of Amnoon, but I haven't gotten in and talked to all the NPCs or found all the little Easter eggs and secrets yet. It's got... It's going to be fun. Like, some of the just ambient dialogue... I didn't spend a lot of time in Amnoon, but the ambient dialogue that I did hear when I was in there was really interesting. Like, there's even... There's even racial-specific dialogue that just ambient NBCs will make, which was weird. Like, to your about your character, which really, really? surprised me. Like, I walked... I was like... I was sitting there and there were these people and they were talking about, they're like, oh man, we, it, the Poala Joko is, there's going to, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this podcast, by the way, guys, just in case you, you were surprised by what I'm about to say. Poala Joko, they're, they were rent, they were troublemakers and they were saying that Poala Joko was actually pulling a lot of people and causing a lot of issues, um, with them. He was like competing with them for like the people who were discontent in the area to, to join forces. And my character just, I just walked up and stood there while they were chatting. And one of them turned and looked at my character and said, oh, guys, we need to stop talking. The little outlander is looking, is listening to us. And I was like, little outlander, like maybe they're just being demeaning, but it also feels like they're just calling out the fact that I'm in Azura, which if it was them calling out me being in Azura, that's really cool. Yeah. And and then when I walked away, oh, and it also tracked like where your character was because then when I walked away, they started yelling about like, "Oh, did you get that business contract? Oh, business, 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 <laughs> business." They didn't say that, but that was essentially what it was. It was I was like, "That's that may be my favorite new conversation that is just ambient in uh in the uh ta- in the not tavern, in the gambling hall, the D- casino did you get, see i actually never set foot in the casino i just like sort of missed it and then 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 i got busy um did you guys ever find the npcs where you if you listen to them talk it let it gave you the um 
what do you call those the z skills the the special actions like gave you a special action to pick a fight yes. with the npc yes yeah that, uh, i found I've, that a little disturbing yeah. I, well, you know, it reminded me of the heart quest in, in, uh, outside of Radasum, where the inquest come up and you pick a fight with the inquest as they're trying to recruit progeny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what it reminded me of is, is that do where you go up. In that one, do you outright kill the inquest? Cause that was the part that. Oh yeah. Freaked me yeah. out a little bit. Cause it was like. Uh, you know, here's this guy talking to a bunch of civilians, and you, like, call him out on his rabble-rousing, and then you fight, and then you outright kill this guy in, a bunch of a, in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> like, I wish he had gotten a downstate or something, so I could have had a choice in that, but it was like, whoa! This is it, this has gone from a friendly brawl to, like, outright murder in the middle of Amnoon. <laughs> Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, it, that was interesting. I mean, it was in the refugee camp, usually, and it was specifically people uh, that were Zeishan priests. Which I think is an interesting twist on the Zeishan because you know they were worshippers of Ball, uh, Ball, the Czar. Yeah, but about uh, yeah, Batazar, much like the Grawl. If we don't see some Grawl that are like worshiping Batazar in the story, I will be a little bit sad, but also not necessarily. Now, CBSR already rounded up all the Grawl that worship false idols. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you do pick a fit fight. I think the interesting thing is though that that person does show incredible disregard for the people because if you notice, they actually take a little bit. Of, they'll either take a little bit of damage, or the person in their backswing will actually cleave them occasionally. And so it seems like they're like, yeah, all right, here's someone who wants to fight me, and I don't care about these poor people, that these poor innocent people, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So there I is sort of a element there i thought they did some some cool things with sort of paying attention to your environment with regard to npcs i mean like you said the that conversation that you know is context sensitive to potentially your race and then also when you just walk away um or you know listening to these npcs talk smack about cormir and you know promote the antagonist essentially of this entire expansion and if you sit there and pay attention, you can pick a fight with them. Uh, another instance that I found was in that same area, helping the refugees. A lot of the ways to do that heart involve basically just picking up supplies and going and, um, you know, taking them to people in tents. But sometimes the NPCs will actually like queue up outside of a supply tent and it will show the icon of what they want for the person at the front of the line and then if you like give it to them then they'll walk away and the line will move forward and then the next npc's thing will like queue up yeah that was actually really cool yeah it was really neat that that wasn't the only way to do that event but if you like found the queue it was like yeah you can just like go boom 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 or you can sort of walk around and talk to these people sort of individually in their tents and and whatnot but um you know, I know it's not a huge deal, but it just seemed like a very impressive upgrade to NPC logic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they they did an amazing job with the hearts and everything. I actually wanted to participate in the hearts. That heart specifically, that heart quest where you're supposed to deliver stuff, I actually was a little bit disappointed when I'd completed it because I was like, maybe I should just keep bringing things to these people. <laughs> it's like, gotta, there's there's a thirsty kid over there. I have problems disassociating from reality at times. <laughs> yeah. So it was a uh, it was very interesting uh, that that character 
of the uh, of the way that the NPCs and everything seem to to be much more alive than they were before. Mm. Yeah. The uh the thing that changed for me wasn't the hearts. I actually didn't get into the hearts very much. I did the obligatory raptor one, but I didn't do the other ones. Um Which that heart thing... changes outside of the story by the way. It's a totally yeah, different Yeah, I did notice heart. that. Um the thing that I did that I found way more interesting than Heart of Thorns or the base game was mastery points. Did you guys do the mastery point in, in Amnoon? Uh, which one? That was the chef. Yes! <laughs> I missed that one. Uh, so if anyone, if anyone has played World of Warcraft, there is the cooking uh, m- mission in... I don't remember which expansion pack it was. Uh, in one of the expansion packs, they had a cooking mission where you uh, had... Oh, it was in... Uh, uh, Wrath of the Lich King, where you would gather ingredients and then you had to throw them into a pot. And it was basically that quest, and it was fabulous. Tell us more about Spirit. I mean, that's basically it, but instead of like, instead of running into the kitchen, right, and there's a mastery point there, and you just channel it. You channel the mastery point, and the chef goes, ah, you're my new apprentice. You're gonna be helping me with this soup. And so he he has these dialogue lines about, this is the traditional soup that we cook in this thing. And then the kitchen has ingredients spread all over it and he says, get me such and such and it changes every time, right? So you can't just memorize a path. You have to remember where all the ingredients are and then run around and throw them to him and he moves around the kitchen as well. So the the most frustrating thing about this was being like, ah, I found the wolf pheromones. Why do you need wolf pheromones? Hold on. And then he, you throw it at him and he starts running across the room to the other part. You're like, no! Because you're on a timer and if you don't get the ingredients to him fast enough to refresh your timer, you have to start over. So it was a little bit frustrating, but he has an insane amount of dialogue because <laughs> he's got a dialogue for different, like every different food and it's, it's mixed in different ways. You don't have the same one every time. He paths all over the area. It was just a really interesting way to execute a mastery point that we haven't seen before. It, it made me really happy that uh, mastery point had something to it other than kill the thing. Yeah. Or channel the thing, which is okay but boring and i'm almost disappointed in a way like i hope there's some way to reactivate this if i ever want to do it again or help a friend uh, while I'm coming yes here. it's a daily it's it's you know how really? mastery is in you know how you could redo the uh oh wait is it a daily i don't know because it wasn't a hero point no i mean mm. they, they did make that change to hero points where they have the loop on them like the hearts do the infinity loop so that it makes you aware that you can repeat these um but i'm not sure about mastery points and it's, it's interesting that they've paid so much attention to the detail of the mastery points when they are a thing that you effectively just do once per account um i actually kind of had a bit of fun when i i spun up a, an alt account for hot oil ago to to do extra raids on so i would get more rewards and starting out i kind of forgot how you know, your mileage may vary, but I had a decent amount of fun get like unlocking my masteries and getting the mastery points. And I, it's not something I've had to do on my main account in forever, uh, which is probably a good thing, which is why I enjoyed it because I hadn't done it in two years. But, uh, you know, the, if they are more interesting to do than just channeling them, I might want to do them again. Did you, uh, yeah, I, they, they definitely stepped up their game. Did any of you guys find the Simon Says one with the teleporter? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. What was that one like, Grybok? Uh, I, well, I mean, so it's it's pretty it's pretty much what it says, but it 
it was kind of a fun callback to Guild Wars 1, because if I recall correctly, that is how you powered up those teleporters, was yep. that you had to do Simon Says on them, and, uh, you know, there's this ghost standing on this uh, platform pedestal dais thing, and, you know, he's like, yeah, I died a long time ago. I was trying to figure this out, and then just, bam! Womp yeah. womp. <laughs> like, yeah, I love like, the line oh. of, like, you gotta watch out for Hydras, man. They will get you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um. <laughs> how many times were you sitting there waiting for, like, to figure it out, and a Hydra would come over the rise in Guild Wars 1 and just meteor shower you, and you're just like, oh, now we have to deal with that. Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I liked it was it was sort of a fun again, it was it was just something that wasn't kill something or channel, so that alone just sort of made it nice. Um but yeah, I mean the the lore callback was fun too. Uh, speaking of, did you guys notice that frickin' spike trap for your anti like the anti mount spike trap before that oh, pit? Oh mm-hmm. they're so good. They're all over the place and they're so good. Yeah, uh it's kind of it's kind of funny and annoying at the same time i guess um but yeah do we want to do we want to move into talking about the mounts because it's sort of intrinsically tied to exploration yeah sure yeah oh okay all right i need to take a drink of my juice okay is it juice juice or juice juice it's i think it's juice 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 mm. oh yeah who makes this juice juice this is a wicked cider company baked apple Spiced hard apple cider. Those are good. Yeah. It's 22 fluid ounces. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. It's a big and so mounts. I mean, we already, <laughs> we already talked about it a little bit and that yeah. I wasn't very excited. Uh, and what spirit was neutral excited and Eric was very excited. Is that, is that where we left off? So how, yeah. how is everybody's opinion post demo has it improved stayed the same or worsened i'll start with eric because his was already happy uh it surprised me at first it i was not expecting the movement to be the way that it was ah but yeah no i 100 still on board with mounts i i like how they have implemented at least the the raptor i am curious to see if different mount types move differently but we can talk about that when we get deep into it but yeah no i definitely sold on the mounts i like them yeah or at um, least raptors all right spirit are you still neutral or have you been won over to the pokemon um, i, will buy all I the guess i skins. guess i'd say i've been won over i it felt very natural it felt very good it felt like a not obtrusive part of the game i liked raptor jumping onto enemies to engage um yeah, I guess just, you know, as long as it feels like a well-integrated part of the game, I'm not against them for any reason at this point. Okay. Um, I guess I would say that I've been upgraded to neutral, which is, I guess, I guess that's good. Everybody seems like they've been positively influenced by them. Uh, I, I like that there are no mount zones in cities. Uh, and yeah. I mean, obviously we can't go to Corteria to see what it's like in the other places, but I can only assume that you won't be able to have your mount in like Divinity Reach, or if you can, it won't be like anywhere useful. I was definitely a little bit worried about, you know, these giant, <laughs> these giant monsters sort of sticking their butt in your face. Um, I was b- worried about these giant monsters being used the way they were in the, the way they are in other games, wherein, 
you basically have someone that's like, I'm going to go sit on top of the bank so that you can't interact with them. Well, yeah, that's what I meant by sticking their butt in your face. Um, I like that. I like that the mounting and dismounting is essentially instantaneous as long as you're out of combat. I think that that's nice. I like that it, there's a keybind for it. Um, I think that in typical Guild Wars fashion, they've done just about all that they could to take away annoyances that aren't particularly relevant to the gameplay. Um, you know, so those are just a couple examples. It's just, you know, it's one key press. It's nearly instantaneous. It's like, you know, it's it's not a big deal. You can hop on and off of them. Uh, you know, there's limits to not getting each other's way. So I think that they really nailed it with that. I am really pleased that you can die them. I mean, I guess it isn't that surprising in the sense that we can die sort of the analogous thing um, with gliders. So I guess it's not that surprising that we can die them, but at the same time, these look a billion times better than the basic glider. And so it's pretty awesome to also be able to die them and have good a good looking, even though it's only one die channel on this first mount, it's it's good looking. So I think they nailed all of the major quality of life aspects for just general usability on the mounts. Um, so so those are all good. I don't, I don't know, something about riding animals just looks so dopey to me. Like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just personal. So I guess that's probably why it's not in the full on like A plus category for me. But I at least, I at least recognize that people will like them. So is that just riding animals in general, or are you like riding animals in the real world too? You're like that's just weird. Why are you Why are you on that horse? Uh, I mean, I understand the utilitarian reason for it, but I think it looks kind of dopey. <laughs> Pretty much any animal riding. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you've clearly never seen mutton busting. I don't know what that is. It's where you get a bunch of six year olds and you put them on top of sheep. And it's done at a rodeo, and it's hilariously adorable. But is the reason that it's funny because the children go flying? Uh, no, it's because it's a bunch of children holding on to sheep, and the sheep can't kick them off, and the kids can't let go, and usually it's just, like, sometimes they fall off because, like, if it's a four-year-old mutton busting, they'll just fall off the side because they're a four-year-old. Yeah. But it's usually, like, the sheep just, like, walks in a straight line, and then the kids are, like, having a horrible time holding on, but they seem to have fun. It's, okay, well, but hilarious. that's, you know, that's like comedy because of abject terror. <laughs> uh, and then the irony of it being mashed up with something so adorable. But that's, you know, uh, badass does not, yeah, doesn't not doesn't do it for me. Okay. But how do you guys feel about the implementation of your mount having hit points rather than just being, um, once you're in combat, you're just, you, you know, done with it or how do you how do you feel that they interact with combat i guess would be a better way to phrase that i really like that if i get tagged by something i don't just get dismounted it seemed like a really fair amount of health um that i could get through a group of enemies and and be on my way i don't think that i got slowed down when i was in combat which was really nice um unless i got crippled or something i think crippled did slow me down uh but yeah, it removed that annoyance for me in the few games that I have played with mounts, where as soon as something tags you, you're you're down. Mm -hmm. I had it, it was much more of an option whether I decided to engage or not. And I felt like, I know you guys were kind of pooping on the uh, engage skill in the show note, so I'll give you a chance to defend yourselves there. But I found it um, 
not a particularly exciting feature, but rather just like a more smooth way of engaging in combat, especially once I got the Raptor Masters unlocked where I pulled enemies in and did more damage. It felt like I had a more advantageous engagement if I used that skill than if I just dismounted and started swinging or if something dismounted me, um, in which case the enemy has the upper hand. It, like, it just felt like a better way for me to dictate the start of a fight. I guess, I mean, yes, I definitely uh, tore into it a little bit in the show notes in that one of the issues that I had was it... <sighs> At least for my character, and maybe this is maybe this depends on who, what class you're playing. But on my necro, it didn't feel. I almost never used it to engage, I because I always wanted to engage at a distance and start by stacking my condies right away. So for me, it was not really something that I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be super helpful. It was more okay. Well, I see an enemy I want to fight. I'm going to drop off my mountain and just charge in um, while stacking condies. So for me, it, it, I didn't necessarily find myself having an advantage, possibly because it just didn't do anything for my specific character build, though. I think for me, I don't have an active distaste for the idea of the dismount skills. It just feels like it's kind of, I mean, it's one skill, you know, like it's not that it's not that exciting. And I understand I, I'd like that the combat skill is a dismount. I think that it was a smart idea to not let your mount be a combat vehicle. And I think we talked about this last time on the show too, that that would be sort of hard to balance, especially based on, you know, class balance and content type. I think it's smart that your mount doesn't have a full suite of combat abilities. I guess if they, I guess if it were me deciding that mounts were going to have a skill, uh, or more than one skill, I would rather have more utility-based non-combat skills, I guess, which I think we actually will gain one looking at the mastery line down the way. Um, it looked like you'd gain another skill for jumping farther. Did you guys catch that? So as far as what I can read on that is it's not another skill. It's that you're, you basically you're supercharging your other skill. So... So how much endurance you spend affects your jump length Yeah, on, on the mount. And okay. so what it sounds like is if you do a full jump, which is holding down spacebar for the entire length of it, you will go higher with your initial jump and further, which will allow you to cl clear things that you couldn't before. So it's okay. more like a uh, boost onto your, uh, onto your current jump rather than like having like a number three skill or something. So it's a passive skill. It's a passive boost rather than a skill. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So then that goes, that goes back to being a little bit disappointing then. Cause to me, it's like, so you get one skill to dismount and do combat. I mean, I guess it's better than it's better in air quotes than not having a skill at all because it does do something. But I feel like if they wanted to make it feel really cool, you know, maybe having multiple, dismount skills so you only get one of them but like you can do different things with them um could have been neat i i, I don't know may, i mean maybe that wouldn't really feel any different but it just it didn't really wow me all that much um it, i mean it just felt almost sort of half finished i hear like half baked because it's not like there's going to be a ton of mounts that have to balance all these things around right there's four so i mean it's not like you're asking for a huge amount of skills if each mount had a couple of skills that were dismount skills or a couple of utility skills or whatever. I don't know. It, Like I said, it's not an active negative. It was just sort of like, 
it didn't really impress me all that much, but I would be interested since there are what four different mounts. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be skills where you can real time just swap between mounts. So that's like, an interesting. You're riding point. one mount, and then they basically add like so as you get more mounts, your bar when you're on a mount just gets another gets another mount icon on it. Yeah, I don't know like if that's skill two, like skill would two would be switched to your next mount. Yeah. Or or whatever. Well, maybe. I mean that that could be interesting. Sure. Because I am trying to. I am wondering exactly how is is the mount window going to be basically like the ne- uh, necro pet the ranger pet window. Yeah. Or is it going to be or something else? Or like the else? legend window for yeah. revenants. Yeah. Yep. Which I think that's probably how it's going to be, but it could be something else. It could be a little bit different. Yeah. How excited are you guys to use mounts in Corteria and Heart of Thorns? So excited. Yeah? Yeah. Spirit? Um, indifferent excited. I mean, it, uh, one of the big arguments against mounts is that, you know, there are waypoints everywhere. You don't really need them to get around Corteria. Um, so I don't feel like they're going to be a major improvement for most things. I take that back. Uh, season three maps, I fully believe were designed with mounts in mind. Um, I feel like at that point, when we started seeing these, these maps with two waypoints, three waypoints, one waypoint, um, at that point, they already knew, I feel that they were going to bring mounts back into those maps. And so I feel like they will feel really good in those maps, but maybe the criteria ones not as much. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm going to be using it if I do any map exploration or anything, but it's not like, oh god, I just can't wait to get around DS on my Raptor, because I've just done it so many times on foot. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the same thing, but faster. I mean, I love my Raptor, but... Eh. As soon as I saw the Springer, the first thing I thought of was there is a node in Iron Marches, I believe, <laughs> of of Platinum, it's been sitting there that no one can get to legally. And I think it exists for botters who teleport around. I think that's why it's there, is to catch them. And then, like, if this person harvested this node, clearly they're a bot and they need to be uh, banned. Uh, but for me, I, I saw the Springer and I was like, I will finally find a way to get to that stupid node of ore with the Springer. And that's that's why I'm excited, because it basically is the last thing that I needed in order to actually figure out how to do that. And now I know. <laughs> yeah, I I'm a bit obsessive on some things in this game. No, it's fine. It's actually Spirit made a great segue point because I wanted to segue talking about mounts into their impact on mount design or on map design. Um, I think it's very clear in the map. In, in the portion of the map that we got to test, and I can only assume that it'll expand outward to the other maps, that these maps were designed with mounts in mind, very much like how all of the Heart of Thorns maps, I guess, save Dragon Stand, were designed around gliding, you know, with the verticality and the multi, multi, multi layers of vertical slices in those maps. And these maps have... Bar, well, I guess we don't know how many waypoints are in this map, but judging on the comment that you made with regard to season three living story maps, I can only imagine that we're probably going to have fewer ma- uh, fewer waypoints. And you know, uh, I think that a lot of these maps are going to be generally flatter. That's not to say that these maps are flat because they're not, but 
I think that they're going to be very large land masses, and because of your ability to travel fast, and I think that having a lot of waypoints like in Quarteria would sort of cheapen that, and so I, I would guess that they're not going to do that, which I find kind of ironic, because that was sort of... I'm not going to say it was a selling point of Quarteria, but it was sort of one of those things of like, why would you need mounts if we can just put waypoints everywhere and like it's very convenient and it's sort of it's sort of funny that it feels like we've sort of retrograded <laughs> some of the original points of or like points of being different you know uh in in the original launch of the game um it's like yeah you've got waypoints but like really not not that many in the new maps because we want you to use the mount which we didn't have mounts because we had waypoints so now we're adding mounts and removing waypoints. Like, I, you know, it's not like they're removing them from the core map, but it, I, I can't help but wonder how it's going to impact the general layout. I, I'm not talking about aesthetics because I think the aesthetics, I mean, we already covered it. We think the aesthetics are great right now, but I definitely felt a bigger sense of wonder exploring the Heart of Thorns maps, at least early on, than sort of exploring this map. Like, it was pretty, but ultimately it was it was so much more two-dimensional it was a lot more two-dimensional i think and and i think that that is just because i think that we are seeing the effect of there was a fairly significant fallout with the complexity of the maps in heart of thorns along with other elements of the maps and so i wonder if perhaps what is going on is this is them saying okay we're gonna at least initially we're going to uh sort of tone down the map a little bit now i will say it looks like from some of their previews though where they talked about you're going to be going over and under and around and through some areas that there will still be um maybe some maps with complexity but i feel like what they want to do is they want to create like a baseline uh where people can you feel comfortable and like go to the zone and it's like a nice safe safe area that they can go to and sort of like just be like okay i like this area these other areas they're just terrifying but this area, I get this area. And I wonder if that's maybe what they're doing is they're trying to sort of ease people into some of the more complicated elements of of it and what the mounts will be able to do. Spirit, do you have any I I feel like I just talked for like ten minutes straight. Do you have any <laughs> you have any input on, on map design re uh balanced around maps or mounts? Uh not really. I think you guys covered everything that I would have said. I will say, I think we're going to be able to break these ma these maps a lot easier as we get more and more uh, movement skills. A lot of the a lot of the skills that we're getting are basically the skills that we got when we would be transformed and when we had like Zephyrite skills and that sort of stuff that people have wanted for a while, mm -hmm. um, like jumping up high or jumping a really long ways. So a lot of these skills have already been used in the game in places. So I feel like. It's going to be really interesting to see us see how we break the game without, you know, glitching it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's I can't I can't use my buzzword of interesting. It's I it's think a thing that, that's going to happen. Well, yeah. I And I don't want to be overly critical because I actually really enjoyed the demo. But it's like if you if you compare sort of the new big feature in quotes of this expansion which is mounts 
to the new big feature of the last expansion, which would be gliding, the exploration side in this one is like, there's a ravine to jump across. Like, how many ravines were there that you jumped across with gliding? Because, like, between mushrooms and updrafts and, you know, just plain getting vertical height and, you know, I mean, like, that's not that... it. Yeah it sort of frustrated me a little bit to go like, okay, so my big challenge is that I can't get across this 40 meter gap because I don't have my upgraded mount jump skill. I mean, yes, I have my, um, I can glide, but it's like, well, the maps weren't designed for you to get up high enough to glide over that. They were designed to jump across it with this mount skill. I, I don't know. It's just, that's that's a bit it, of a downgrade for me. Yeah, but. it did. It did. And it does seem like each each thing is a specific uh, there is a specific mount in mind for each puzzle. Like people were able to break it this uh, this patch. Like some people were able to get on top of on top of uh, a building that they weren't supposed that they were supposed to use the springer for apparently inside and moon and stuff like that. And so, I mean, people are going to figure things out. But at the same time, it is like. You go and you do something, and there were several times where I was like, okay, I know exactly which mount I'm going to need for this thing. And so it was less puzzle-like and more like, okay, I just have to collect all the things and then do it. So I can understand why that might seem like a less interesting thing, because gliding, there was a lot of like puzzle that sort of went along with it, too, if that makes sense. Yeah. Also, Eric, I'm going to say, like, man... You really hosed me for like two hours on the demo trying to figure out how you quote dismounted while jumping with the mount. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So I didn't actually do that. I was watching Richie Procopio's stream, and I thought I saw him do it. And then I went and spent a good hour as well trying to like prove that I could do it, and I couldn't. Yeah. So in case anybody read our Twitter, it was Eric, by the way, who yeah, posted yeah, no, that, that you was, could do that. That and was he definitely is me. Full of it. I am very wrong. I was so wrong that that wooden potatoes responded <laughs> to to the statement going, um, oh, you definitely can't do that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, no. like even wooden potatoes is like concerned that I'm misleading people. Because uh, you and are. I had to yeah. I had to respond to it like three times <laughs> saying like, Nope, nope, I was wrong, guys, and then someone else would be like, You can't do it. And I was like, yep, yep, I was wrong. Yep. Please refer to previous tweets where I admitted my complete incorrectness. Which, of course, means it blew up my phone, too. So thanks for oh, that. You're welcome. It's I'm great. I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Uh, uh, Spirit, you, I haven't, I've, we've been, we've been talking too much. What do you, what would you like to talk about? I don't know. I'm cool to go with the flow. Well, I think you should design the flow. It is your time. Oh, man. What else do we need to talk about? Let's talk about bounties, because I, I did a lot of bounty hunting. Okay, that's great, nice. because I did almost none of that, so I couldn't tell you things if I wanted to. Cool. So, bounties. Uh, you go into town, there's a bounty board. It has a bunch of stuff on it. Uh, it seems to be somewhat random, but not entirely. Like, uh, which bounties are up at a time seem to be dependent on which ones have been done recently, and which ones, you know, like, their cooldowns on them or whatever. So you go into town, there's bounty boards with like mm, probably five at a time and you pick one and it gives you an event that's like, go find this. And it, it just marks a place on your map and as soon as someone gets close to it, the an enemy pops up. 
whichever enemy that you've decided to hunt. Uh, it seems that each named enemy shows up in the same place every time, which is a little bit disappointing because it, it, it's supposed to be like a very random system so that you can do it over and over and have a lot of replay value. So, so picking one up and knowing exactly where you're going is a little bit disappointing. But when you get there, um, you encounter an enemy. So I'll use it as an example, the one I fought a few, few times, the legendary Choya. Um, it has a few base abilities from being a Choya, namely the ability to roll all the hell around and be super annoying. Um, and then it gets, if it's a legendary mob, three abilities from a random pool of abilities. So one time I fought it, it had hammers swirling around it. It had uh, like safe zones where if you weren't in this specific zone, it would avoid everything that you were doing. So you had to stand in these specific spots to damage it. Yeah, um, I fought one and of those too. It summoned, oh, it summoned Chalk that enraged it was the three that we got, uh, which, oof, boy, that was a rough one. <laughs> we got it down to oh, 5% with a lot of people there, but I, I think just a lot of people didn't really understand the mechanics, and so they weren't swinging away at it because they weren't standing where they needed to be to hit it. Um, so we had a valiant effort at it, but we didn't quite get it down. Uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty fun to go do those things. It felt... Like, it was meant to be kind of a filler for those people who are like, well, I don't really know what to do. Like, they they need something to go out and do on demand, uh, which is what the bounties are really good for. But with the amount of people, like, when it goes live um, and everybody's running around doing the hearts and different things and it, the effort is more spread out, I think it will be better. But it was really kind of overwhelming in the beta where everyone was focused into a very small area to go into town, grab this bounty, you get out there and it's at 20% already because somebody encountered it before you got there or whatever. So that that part was a little bit frustrating. But I think, again, once once everybody's more spread out, it will be a more interesting system for people who don't just want to go looking for events, but want to go find them, I guess. Yeah, I I really liked it. It was, and I think the scaling's pretty good for those as well. Because I did a few where I was on like at weird hours, and so there weren't a lot of people running the bounties. And I would get to a bounty and be able to just fight it. And I felt like I could actually, once I knew whatever the mechanic was for that specific fight, I felt like I could actually do damage to it as a single player. Uh, and and that it would take a lot longer, but that I could actually kill the kill the thing, which was kind of nice. Although they do story. do some crazy damage. Yeah, funny story. I did one of those, and um, it was uh, oh god, what was it? Well, it doesn't really matter. The point is, I did one of those as my necro, and I found that um, I couldn't out sustain it solo. Except when I got downed, my inherent regen from the um was uh what's that Mersat skill the the skill oh, five that you get spectral agony yeah the inherent regen from spectral agony plus my one skill meant that I actually outdamaged its damage while I was downed only and so I could keep myself perpetually downed and never die but if I actually got rezzed up then the like death penalty from continually rezzing would. Uh, you know, start you with less and less health, and so I could actually eventually completely wipe if I fully let myself heal up, and so I, like, got it down to half just in the down state, just messing around with it solo, 
uh, like intentionally not fully upping myself, so to speak, uh, which is sort of hilariously weird cheese. But uh, I had fun. Necro downstate OP. Yeah, and then eventually I I found uh, other yeah other people came and and helped me. But I just I thought that was really funny that it was like I was actively better off in my downstate than than in my up state just because of the life gain steal uh it's ridiculous but anyway so so we've got so these yeah so these are like dynamic champions yeah yeah so it's it remind it reminded me of the uh wow diablo champions there we go those diablo mm-hmm. bosses with the randomized skills mm-hmm. uh that's I, I always thought you know what fractals would be awesome if they took a lot of pages from diablo and i have to say i really like how they did bounties and sort of did that and it's a it's a cool scalable system because you can add new skills to them like as you add new content and new zones and stuff and new bounties you can add new skills but those can go back and go on to the old ones then and make it much like uh fractals where you can replay it and interact with it and it builds on itself which i like uh, yeah. Did you guys do uh, Treasure Hunt, by the way? Which nope. is a, like a very minor version of the bounties. Nope. So I got a treasure it. map, uh, and you can get treasure maps. What? How did I get it? I think I got it by doing one of the uh, gambling games. Uh, in Because the gambling game is actually, it's not very, like, you're not going to make money on the gambling games, guys. But uh, you might not not make money. You might break even. It feels like it's weighted towards like slightly less than breaking even. Anyways, but uh, it was either that or or digging up sand somewhere, digging through sand. I found a, a two or three treasure maps, and when you double click on a treasure map, it gives you a special skill that you can use while mounted. Uh, and if for some reason like another special skill, uh, it's that it's that special skill button, special skill. And if another special skill comes up, then you can dismount and switch anyways you can you can keep it for a long time and when you press it it pings it sends a little trail off in a direction and if you follow it and get to the end of it you will find a uh, treasure chest with with loot in it so it's sort of like the it's actually a lot like the shovels that you get in silver or yeah silver waste right in silver waste yeah where you ping and it shows you a direction uh, and if it's red, that means that you're more than 1,500 feet away. If it's green, it means that you're within 1,500 uh, units of the uh, of the item. And then you find it, and it comes up, and it's a chest, and you just open it. You don't have to have a key, as far as I know. And it's not really super complicated, but I believe you can also trigger, like, sometimes things will trigger defending the chest. Um, so you get little mini events there, uh, and they're scattered about. And so that was that was kind of a fun thing. It was like a much more less violent version of the bounties, which was kind of cool. Hmm. And I I really liked it. It's it's just a it's a neat sort of usage of things that they've sort of had. And I would like to see it in more maps where you like get a treasure chest and ping your way to the location. It seems like a good thing. Both that and bounties seem like a good thing to implement just across guild wars 2 like old world and new world yeah but like that's never gonna happen (laughs) not (laughs) not to be like a negative nancy but uh you know i would have said that too except for the fact that we got proto bounties in the old world with living world season three 
and the and the white mantle storyline. Like we got stuff happening in the old world. Or was that Living World season 2 that did that? Uh When did it I think it was Living World season 1 early. Maybe I'm uh, Living World season 3 early. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in that. When did we get the the uh bandit bounties? That was season 3, I think. That sounds so I right. Could, yeah, so I could see them doing that. I could see that being a part of, like, if they wanted to update a festival, which I know Hunter, our good friend Hunter from Hosts of Ascalon, believes that they will never update festivals, but it would be a really cool thing to add as, like, a festival update. Like, go hunt down this giant princess thing. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> I thought you were just going like, to leave it there. This giant princess. Just go hunt a giant, giant princess. What if she's a mushroom also? <laughs> a giant princess mushroom. I was more thinking the uh, princess, uh, the from Talks Winter's Day, the princess miniature thing. Doll. Yeah, there we go. The princess doll. That's a word that you could use to describe that thing. I just was thinking of the most horrifying thing I've ever fought in any of the uh, in any of the festivals. And aside from Liadri, I immediately think of the princess dolls and their oh, obscene Liadri. amounts of confusion. God, those are fond memories. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, realistically, I don't think we're ever going to get massive content updates to old stuff. I mean, it's just, I just don't think it's in the cards. I think, you know, at best you'll get what the Living Story did, which was like a small thing that was added sort of on top of, but I don't think we're ever going to get a massive rework of Corteria. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I yeah, I mean I wouldn't see it as like a rework, like I wouldn't see them removing anything. If I was going to if I what I would expect to see is them just adding it in, like you can do with events. Um and then they're just taking a few and scattering some champs around sort of as a fun thing to do, but uh yeah, I mean as one uh, developer did say it's a lot easier to build n- all new content than to rework old content. Did I? I, This is very tangential, but did I tell you guys about the comment I found about uh, Ark Survival Evolved? No. No. It's just funny to me, I guess, because I've been following Guild Wars 2 for so long. Um, Ark is what I've been playing a lot in my time away from Guild Wars 2 recently, and they are somewhat of a controversy because they're about to launch their game, and it is very much not ready trademark uh it is funny to me that the perspective of the community is that uh wildcard which is the development studio has been adding by and large too much new content and not ever reworking the old content and that the game would be a much better game if they had been revisiting and revitalizing old content (laughs) which is very funny to me having been on the exact opposite end of that spectrum for a very long time yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's un, it's easy to understand from a developer's perspective, I think, why, you know, um, you know, why you would focus on new content, because new content inherently, I mean, it's new, right? It's like people that are tired of the old content, how many people are going to go back just to like check it out? And how many people are going to stay there? Whereas like new content is inherently exciting um like they would have to do so much work to old content to make it truly revitalized and new feeling that they might as well just have made new content in the first place you know Um, right so i i don't really fault them for that 
but yeah i mean it it seems just like a development reality to me yeah it's it's just hard to it's hard to create a especially in an mmo where you have like maps and that sort of thing it's hard to create a perfectly scalable system where you're like oh yeah if i add this new system in i just am gonna like bolt it onto all of the other things and change everything like you have to have that sort of design plan and the scope of that is just nuts yeah 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 it's not not really in the cards for no not not in actually ever releasing a game (laughs) yeah yeah um we would still be waiting for guild wars 2 if they were going to build it that scalable (laughs) yeah anyway uh but back to the back to the topic at hand Uh, i mean there's still plenty of stuff to talk about so uh, what else would you guys like to mention from the demo i have been reading a lot of blogs uh and it's a lot of people coming back to Guild Wars 2 after a while. And actually, uh, and I also had this uh, outside of the blogosphere, a uh, friend of mine, I was like, hey, you should check out this uh, demo. And so he, he did, um, and he logged in. He decided to pick Reaper, uh, not Reaper. He decided to pick Revenant, a radiator, which if he had asked me These for advice. damn words. Yeah, yeah. If he had, if he had asked me for my advice, I wouldn't not. I would have said, "Don't, don't pick Revenant until you've played to level eighty three times on other characters," because I don't think it's yeah. that bad. But uh, it's not that bad. But if you've if you've leveled like a ranger and then leveled like another class, then I would say after that, okay, you can level an elementalist or a uh, or a revenant and and feel comfortable with with the complexity. Uh. I say as I was like my second character was a elementalist. Uh but anyways, yeah. So so he he picked it and he just he had no idea what the skills did. It's a very different sort of class if you're used to like World of Warcraft or or really any other online game. And so he got really confused and and then the enemies were just too tough for someone who had no idea what they were doing. Like Who's who's who does not understand that dodge roll is not only a thing but like the thing. It is the thing, um, yeah, yeah. And so then I also so so I noted that and then and I talked to him about it. And I was like, oh man, you should have just put, rolled a uh, roll a ranger because rangers are are a really great introductory class. Like if your friends are ever like, what class should I pick? Just say ranger, and then once they get used to the gameplay mechanics, then they can switch to whatever class they want. Um, but Ranger's really nice for sort of introducing people to the concepts of uh, Guild Wars 2. Uh, and these blog posts, basically, people were talking about the fact that they got in and they they were like, I'm going to check out the new class, uh, the new profession. And so they rolled Revenants and they rolled like, like Elementalists and stuff. And they just got their faces rolled because the builds that they were given weren't particularly great and they didn't realize that they were going to need to change those builds up almost as soon as... Uh, they rolled their character and all that stuff, and they had a really hard time getting past the boss. Like they were just dying all the time until they actually sat and like worked on their builds a little bit. And these were people who had played Guild Wars two a lot up until Hot launched, and then they just sort of dropped out because they're like, "Oh, it's too hardcore now." Uh, so it does raise a question. And one of the blogs of someone who actually has enjoyed Hot. Um, Bagpus uh, on Inventory Full has always complained about the difficulty level of the personal story and how it's just not his his thing. Now like I it's think too for, hard. 
Yeah, like it's it's just there's too much movement and too much too much requirement on something that he feels like should be casual. And so I was wondering what you guys felt about like and obviously I think we're I'm not saying that we're like a cut above, but we are a little bit more hardcore. We do a podcast and and we we talk about this game a lot. Oh my um, god, if that makes me lot. hardcore, I am like seriously <laughs> Dude, you have thousands of gold in this game. You you are in fact casual core. That's because I'm. You want to call it? That's because I'm an economancer. Okay, there there is that. But you actually played enough to uh to get that to get that in the game. I think that all all of us. I mean, if you're if you walk in the door of raids and you do not feel like completely terrified, I feel like that puts you on sort of a another level. Uh, of I, comfort with Guild Wars 2 than these people had. I mean, to be fair to myself, I feel like I'm very mechanically comfortable with this game. I just am like, old man can't be arsed to do certain things to be top tier, like, competitive build and money-wise. Like, yeah. I, I do feel mechanically pretty pretty sound at this game. So it's, I do understand their concerns. Yeah. I don't really mean so to base- minimize people that are uh, less skilled at the game. Yeah. I, it's, it's very understandable. So what do you guys feel about that? Because the com- the fights and everything have been getting more complex. And one of the things that I thought about was there's been a few fights that uh, the people in the guild have complained about for difficulty uh, because melee is very difficult in Heart of Thorns and a lot of the story missions are really like, why don't you have a ranged weapon? And they're like, I just want to melee everything. And it's like, but you need a ranged weapon to do this fight. Uh, how do you guys feel about that as far as balance goes? Um, and did you see, what did you see while you were playing in the in the beta in the in the preview weekend uh since i don't think it's really a beta i think it's more of a preview weekend in the I mean, preview kind of weekend both, yeah but spirit you guys, you go ahead yeah since you are uh just talking about the difficulty my opinion on the difficulty bosses right uh bosses but also just the general gameplay and and that and maybe comparing it a little bit to heart of thorns i found most of the mobs here easier than heart of thorns um, I was running a ranger, full full disclosure, which was, uh, I guess, has become my main, um, and is also easier a face roll class, I guess. I don't know. I just found that um, things tended to hit less hard than hot, and were a little bit glassier overall. They may have had just as complex mechanics, but were just generally not as much of a pain to kill. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to say, really. I I have been so deep in raids and fractals and everything for the last few years in, hard, in uh, Guild Wars that I don't really have a good perspective for somebody coming in for the first time. I will say, I have noticed, since I've started like actually thinking about it, I have noticed these, this map, one of the things that... Uh, actually, I talked about on the podcast at one point, uh, and I've talked about it in Guild a few times, is the fact that what I would what I would like to see in the next expansion, which I think is what we're getting, is something that's more akin to like you have your opening zone that's a little bit more laid back, and maybe you have two or three zones, or even four or five zones that are just super laid back, and then either through living world or through some or in some way you get like one zone that is the hardcore challenge zone with a crazy meta that everyone goes into, and it's like the farm zone for stuff. And if you want like meta stuff, you go and you queue up for those map for that specific map. But then you have other maps that are a little bit more laid back and a little bit more world buildy. Um, and I think while Heart of Thorns had a good world building, it was not 
it was not the primary focus of each. It was like to tell a very tightly focused story in each zone and then to repeat, make that story exciting and repeatable uh, for people wanting to go back and just play that content. And it was a very much uh, narrative content driving the narrative rather than necessarily narrative driving the environment and telling the story. And I think what we're seeing, at least with this zone, uh, from a difficulty level, is that the content is much more laid back, and the zone's narrative drives sort of what content you experience, if that makes sense. A little bit less than the, like, the content type driving the narrative. Whereas, like, you know, the content in, in Verdant Brink is this horde mode at night prep during the day so we've got these locations that you go to and you build them up and then you horde mode it and then auric basin is you've got the assault on the city that you have to actually do it's sort of this weird sort of flip because all of a sudden the mordrum are in the city and you have to assault the city and take it back uh and then you've got the chalk garant which is very much so like this crazy like build up your forces and then dps race it and everything just feeds into those specific events uh dragon stand even more so it's like this literally exists for us to go kill a dragon uh and then and then it ends and resets it's like and actually what you should do as part of your story because then the story flows better if you do dragon stand yeah yeah, yeah. no if yeah if you play heart of thorns and do the last mission before you play dragon stand the last mission makes no sense and then you play dragon stand and you're like Oh, this is this is happening at the same time as I'm doing this story. Like, and well, that, actually, right before, basically, it's like you infiltrate this map and you fight its head, yeah, and then well, or its body, right? And then you go in and fight its mind, right? The the mind fight though, that very last story step is happening simultaneously with the Dragon Stand meta event, uh, according to the narrative for it, because they're talking about the fact that you can hear everyone fighting outside. Um, and so basically you're distracting him while they kill the body and then you kill the brain and then you you win. Uh, and it seems like this new zone uh, in Path of Fire is going to be more about here's this environment. You can go and you can live in the environment. You can see the environment and you can sort of exist in this world. And it's going to change as things happen, but it's not necessarily huge changes. It's And it's sort of back to that old uh, old world Old World being Guild War, Old World Guild Wars 2, core Guild Wars 2, explore, participate in events, and do some hearts, and that sort of thing, which I think actually is going to serve it really well. Although I do hope to see a new meta map where we have like a specific like challenge map, because I, I love those. And I don't necessarily think that the story is the place to introduce those, because those can be a bit rough for people, so I'd like to have it sort of like an optional side thing. So if that makes sense. You kind of you kind of raised like several uniquely independent points. I think that I actually am a little bit wary of meta event maps, not because I not because they're not fun. I actually think they're quite fun, but I worry about them with regard to the longevity of the game. Um, or the population of those zones, because I'm really worried about having to make Heart of Thorns legendaries um, once Path of Fire comes out, and everybody flocks to that, because some of those meta events are going to be effectively impossible. Um, right? Like, they do not scale. They, they scale on an individual level, but the whole point is that they are coordinated full map events, and, you know, I shudder to think 
about having to do some of those event or some of those like components for a legendary for example and having to do them without being able to complete those meta events because technically you can but it will be so much slower uh so i'm not against zone-wide meta events and and i was thinking about this earlier when you mentioned uh whether or not these new zones would have them in general i'm not against them and i'm not against having a hardcore one but i would say that if they're going to do that that they should not make the rewards something that is only obtainable from that map and required for something else because i can see that being i can honestly see that being a big problem as soon as path of flames comes out for the things that are like that in heart of thorns and i am i would be i will i may actually do that as an experiment because one of the things i have noticed with uh with doing working on shovel the hammer whose name should be pronounced as fast as possible (laughs) uh working on that i've noticed that the most the way to get the most uh materials uh obviously if you need crystalline ore yeah you have to clear all of dragon stand to really do it effectively but i've found that um that you can push the pre-map event the pre-meta events in in uh, in verdant brink not verdant brink bark basin tangled tangled depths and i was having a hard time because i did the chalk garant twice and killed it twice and that was really cool but i was like i got like maybe 200 uh of the map currency for that and it was and after spending that much time i was just like i don't think a 45 minute fight should only give me like you know 175 to 100 of the map currency uh it feels like it it should be more especially with org bases just like exploding stuff in your face uh as far as like all the aurelium ever uh but uh then I discovered that if you complete the the events leading up to the meta event, and then you do all the events that trigger before the meta event, like the, all the like the ones that are like you finish the zone that you finish the outpost, and then you do the ones around it, the ones that pop around after that you finish the meta the uh, the outpost actually give you a much more reliable reward of the map currency in Tangled Depth. So. It'll be interesting to see if maybe some people are like, well, we can't clear Chalk Garant, but we can just really get five people together to do this super intense uh, one lane thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, To speak to your other point about difficulty of personal story, uh, it's interesting that you say that because I never found the personal story to be overly difficult. But what I did find was the living story i found that several of the living stories are are quite challenging for some for some players and or professions but not you know it's like they're not always that hard and i don't personally have a problem but i also recognize that i'm quite experienced um but just i those always seemed like the ones that were much harder and so but i would say the same answers holds true for both is that you shouldn't I think that story instances should not be super inaccessibly hard because I like, uh, I mean, cause it's story, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. To me, it just seems like, you know, the, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have a specific smart sounding thing to say about it, but to me, like the story shouldn't be that hard in a game like this, where there's so many aspects to it. It's, it's not, the same argument as you know say dark souls right where it's like 
the Dark Souls is hard, and so like, yeah, getting through the story is gonna be hard because it's freaking Dark Souls, and like, if you want to do anything in it, it's gonna be hard. Unless you're Vrabin and you get the best weapon to drop on your first run. Yeah, but he didn't even minutes. beat it. He only got like a third of the way through it. Like, it still gets harder. But, but like, that's true. He did my not point make is smoke. that is the game, right? In a single player game. That is the game. And so if your game is supposed to be difficult, then yeah, sure, the story's going to be difficult in a difficult game. That's not surprising. But in an MMORPG, there is inherently a different set. There's there's varying levels of difficulty and varying levels of competence required and varying levels of, you know, intended challenge. And I think I would rank story at the lowest of those. If for no other reason than that story is generally not rewarding. You know, it... Uh, if it doesn't have rewards then it shouldn't be hard basically like and it doesn't so it shouldn't um so- i think that there's certain and this is where it gets difficult because one thing that i was thinking about is the fact that uh some games that i really enjoy like the uh the mass effect trilogy the shepherd trilogy yeah uh i enjoyed playing those on a hard level and you got nothing there was no bonus or advantage to playing it on insanity like you didn't level up faster you didn't get access to more interesting gear there was no unique advantage to that but yet uh it was something that i enjoyed but it was selectable and they even got to the point where they were like you know what there's people who still find our easy mode too hard so what we're gonna do is we are going to tune down the easy mode so it's like a uh like a tourist mode almost um for people to make it so you can just you can just power through the story if you're just not interested in in doing the difficult challenging fights and stuff. And so I would almost like want to see that be a thing in Guild Wars 2 personal story, but at the same time we we have raids like and we have fractals. So if we want to do really hard stuff like it's not like we don't have that anymore. And so while it is interesting to sort of like teach people like boss mechanics in a fight, I feel like, you know, you, you can learn a little bit like pre-rating with the living story. I feel like maybe maybe it's unnecessary. I don't know if that actually communicated a logical point or not, but my point is basically I like challenging content and I do like the fights that we've had in the living world, but I feel like maybe accessibility maybe is more it down. Important. Yeah, maybe accessibility for that is more important, especially with the fact that people are already a little bit grumpy about the fact that we're getting unique story in uh, in raids now that you're not going to see anywhere else. Uh, yeah, I'm grumpy about that, but that's... Uh, I'm less, but I mean, well, then it's like, well, then do you just want no story in raids? It's just we're going to randomly kill these guys. Nah, and, and let's done. not go there. Um, okay. Do you think... Do you think fights are tuned to the difficulty of what they're supposed to represent in-game? Or, like, in, in no, lore for the most part? Not at all. Okay. Fair enough. I don't mean that in, like, uh, like I'm saying that's a bad question, because I completely understand what you're trying to get at. Uh, it's more that some of the hardest fights, I would say, are not lore-relevant at all. And some of the easiest fights are, should be, are, are literal gods. So, like, <laughs> my, my answer is not uh, whether they should be, um but like just historically speaking some of the easiest fights are literal gods in the guild wars franchise i mean i 
we don't fight literal gods in this game, but I guess like the dragons. I mean, press one to beat Zaitan. Like, sure. right. So like, so my answer is a hard no. Uh, but uh, but I do respect like at least the idea behind what what you're what you're asking, at least in terms of whether it should be or not. I would say in the living world, though, we definitely have more of that where it where i the threat of an enemy and the narrative importance of an enemy they get more mechanics and there's more interesting things go on like the mouth of Mor- the mind of mordremoth was a in my opinion a very interesting fight that was a lot of fun and i just like it from the gliding to all that stuff obviously i have very low ping um latency so it's not as the gliding issues that everyone had i haven't seen so it's so i get sort of makes my life a bit easier but uh, there is there is that sort of element of I think nowadays we're seeing that, but it is also frustrating because there's people who are used to press one to Zaitan, and when they got the game and then they were starting to do Living World, they were expecting press one to kill the Zaitan, and they got okay, this guy's dropping AOE's everywhere. You gotta dodge. You gotta you gotta step up your game, and I think that sort of made some people feel like Anet was like saying you're a nub, get good. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah i it's i mean i think what surprised me the most about this this event is how many people didn't play hot or haven't played since hot that did come back for this like Mm. in my mind those were just lost sales like they're just gone and i think that's a testament to the loyalty and interest that they've built in this franchise that people are willing and interested in coming back to this franchise that they have that they quit at an expansion like and they're still back right so i mean yeah that's a really good point and that's something that you only see in like the mega franchises like you see it in the blizzards you see it in the final fantasy 14s where people are willing to go back and give it a try after it was that and so i think that's you're right that is sort of good on anet for having built such good quality content for so long that people are willing to come back and check it out. Well, cause that's the thing is like when you were saying in the show notes about people talking about it being too difficult, I was like, are you, are you serious? Like, yeah, it, it wasn't that difficult, who... but no. hearing you talk about it on the show about the context of people that haven't played in quite a while and are coming back because they're that invested in the franchise. It's like, Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you haven't been playing guild wars, yeah, I could, yeah, this will be a kick in the teeth. Like that's, that's absolutely true. Uh, and I, I like that thought hadn't even crossed my mind until we were talking about it just now. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I, I think it's a very valid point to bring up as far as difficulty, at least if at, at the very least for a demo, like, like, you know, here's what the game's all about, period. But, you know, yeah, it's like, hey, if you've never in... played Guild Wars, come play s- semi hard content. Come it's play not and get quite... your nuts stomped. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not quite Heart of Thorns. The Mordremoth Sniper Hardcore, but it is, it's it's exciting, and I do have to say, I found it really interesting in the pot in the uh, blogs where people were like, so it turns out that pretty much you have to know every mob in Heart of Thorns almost like a raid boss because they each have like two or three mechanics that you just yeah need to know or they're gonna destroy you. On the other hand, and I mean maybe this is like kind of you know I'm a bad person, but. I kind of like that people are having a hard time with this that haven't been playing after having heard so many people make the complaint that Guild Wars 2 takes no skill and has like no 
<laughs> you know, like it's a very common complaint that like because this game doesn't have the Holy Trinity, that it's just like wall face roll. And uh, I and I'm not advocating this is actually a good thing, but I have to admit, as a not wholly perfect person, I kind of am happy to see people being like. <laughs> yeah this is really hard i'm getting my shit like wrecked and i'm like yeah about that like you're just not good at this game but that's yeah. not an official position that the relics of or guild holds and if you have <laughs> any challenges uh we are welcome we we are happy to help you uh we are happy i uh i definitely <laughs> recommend if you're having a hard time roll a ranger get a morello because it is the best pet face Eric. roll a ranger you mean Hey, if they're running a ranger and they're not super familiar with it, they're not going to realize that a Morello is actually terrible. It'll be fine. Okay, fine. Go get a cat. Cats are better than bears, even hairless bears that belch poison, who are awesome. I'm glad you felt my angry raid mom stare through the internet. I'm not Uh, mad at you, Eric. I'm just disappointed. Why would you be disappointed in someone (laughs) loving a Morello? Why would you be disappointed in somebody whose expectations you should be at the absolute minimum for in the first place? (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Hope you brought some Kandu cleanse for that burn, Eric. May I recommend a healing spring on your ranger? <laughs> um, I, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to throw Eric. birds in it. your face. I didn't mean <laughs> well, it, Eric. I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it's okay. I, I, I accept that, uh, that harshness into my soul. Look, I've been drinking, and this is already an hour and a half long podcast, so... <laughs> It's going to happen. And we haven't even gotten to talking about how Christian and I were totally wrong last week. Oh, no. About what? I did listen to it, but I... Uh, about th- what? There's, well, we were, I was a little bit negative. We'll, do, we'll just put it that way on like what happened. And I, mostly I was like, this is what the forums are saying, which, I mean, obviously this is what the forums are saying is going to be like, everything is horrible. I did make fun of Tempest, though, because the Tempest were like, oh my goodness, my DPS is now still only top tier. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, we're, we like are the Salty 3K. Necro podcast. Like. <laughs> and I was like, oh, please, please, I am a Necromancer. I mean, Necromancer actually apparently, like, if you spin properly, you can you can get top tier deeps. If you what? not, if you spin properly, you can like, get pretty good DPS. Actually, spin like if, by what do you mean by spin? Uh, necro destro, yeah, world finisher. Oh. Yeah, it's necros are spin to win now, um, but it's also <laughs> as uh, QT said, this is a really hard build to do because if anyone is putting any other combo fields down there, you might just lose tons of DPS because you're not comboing off the right field. Okay, so like when you say spin, my immediate thought is like uh like political spin, where you're just like putting a spin on something, and so I was just like, what? Are, do we have no, a necro spin machine? Like, are do we? I mean, we do. It's called tempests that are complaining that they're worse than necros now. I mean, they're worse than necros because they're not necros. Yeah. They may have deep, better DPS than us, but That's we are true. objectively the best. This is truth. That's how objectivity works, my friends. Unless, of course, you're rolling a new character, and then you probably want to roll a ranger. Just, just gonna keep repeating that. Roll <laughs> a ranger, guys. Get a great sword. Get a bear. Knock everything out of the way. It's the best option. Yes, I'm advocating bear bows on the Relics of War podcast. All hate mail can be directed to relicsofwar dot at gmail dot com. You can manage okay. the Gmail account for this yeah. week, Eric. I'm fine with that. I like the Gmail account. 
There's there's tons of great stuff on there. In fact, I should. Pro- uh, did we have a mailbag this week? Because I think someone mailed us something. I believe we have a mailbag uh, from last week because when you're hosting the show, nobody reads it. Uh, oh no, no 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 it was from a while ago we got an email from solstice around the time that we were doing the expansion announcement one but it came just after we recorded the show so it was filed away uh, potentially never to be seen again although apparently it has yeah that's right because i i remembered what my password was to the relics of our gmail account and i was like oh right i can log in again and so i did and i found it anyway is there anything of relevance that we should talk about before we wrap up this very long show? Oh my god, I feel like there's several topics we didn't even touch on, but maybe I'm full of it. Maybe I'm full of script. I think we talked about a lot of the a lot of the things. I mean, there's some cool new models. The hydras we didn't talk about. The hydras are amazing. The gin are so cool, and I love gin so much. <sighs> yep. But I mean, there's we have two what six weeks until the game comes out. I feel like we can we can talk about like those things in other podcasts. In the hey, future. speaking of things that we can talk about for the game coming out, um, they're going to be doing a week on Elite Specs next week, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But upcoming, there will be a week on Elite Specs, and there will also be a week on story and maps. I should look this up. I but think I know it was something week. that made me raise an eyebrow because I was like, really, you're going to talk about this that close to the expansion? Why not? Why not just let people see it? So, um, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was an odd thing to talk about. I think that they uh, are doing Elite Specs this week because they had their initial post today about Elite Specs and their design decisions. Um, and so I think it's I think it's happening now. I could be wrong. It is. In it fact, up. there is a blog post out about Developer Diary of Elite Specs and they touch on all of them, it seems. Okay, well, do we want to read our mail or... Do we just want to talk about the fact that we had mail and then didn't read it? I feel like we should read Solstice's mail. Yeah, you should do that. Should we? I've got it. Oh, thank you, Spirit. <laughs> I should actually also look up that thing that I made. Alright. Hi, Relics. I was mostly able to avoid the leaks and spoilers, so for me, most of today's X-Pack announcement was new and exciting. What was the biggest surprise for each of you? What about the biggest disappointment or concern? From Solstice. Sorry, was it what about the announcement or what about our um, announcements or about the demo that we actually played was the biggest surprise? The... Well, it was it was about the announcement, but I'm going to say that we've probably already covered that, so we could just make it about the demo and I'm sure Solstice wouldn't be too offended. Fair. I I will say that actually from the announcement because I haven't played it yet, the scourge was the biggest surprise. Yes, there were leaks talking about what was going to happen. And so, you know, you kind of had that idea of maybe this is what's going to happen. But I was not expecting the Necro to get like a support centric spec. Um, I was just expecting more selfish DPS. Uh, And so that surprised me. And I'm very excited about it. Spirit? Uh, Yeah, I think the biggest pleasant surprise for me in the demo was... The mastery points that had like cool games. I think I didn't explicitly say this earlier when we were talking about the hearts in the zone, but there's a lot more sort of depth to the exploration, it seems, in these new maps, which is uh, pleasant all around because it's a lot of it's not just go here, find this hero point, find this hard NPC. There's a lot more little intricate layers to it, like we talked about with the treasure hunts, the bounties. Um, you know, just more interesting things going on at those points of interest and hearts and hero points and everything. So I think that was the biggest surprise for me and most pleasant thing was seeing 
the absolute attention to detail and depth of interesting things that they've been putting into into this content. How about you, Grabok? Oh, boy, it's tough. I, I'm not that surprised that we're going back to Alona. I mean, leaks notwithstanding, just even just in general, I'm not that surprised. But uh, I guess I would say that I was surprised by mounts. And I guess that was I was initially negatively surprised. And now I'm at, I've been bumped up to neutral surprised, which in itself is a surprise. It's like surpriseception. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, also, obviously, echoing the Scourge thing. Uh, a negative surprise or disappointment, I guess, and we don't know if this is final, but uh, as you guys talked about last week, the balance patch that went through, uh, the fact that Necro got a few sort of insignificant buffs and then some I I will nerfs. say it's, it's not... Like, the power Necro got nerfed kind of hard, the Necro Condi is now actually considered a meta viable spec. Like it's not like best, but like they actually QT actually puts numbers and they actually beat some DPS things out if you get them perfect. Yeah, but but my point is, I I was sort of hoping for, and I know that this was never officially announced, but I was sort of hoping for what a lot of the community had suspected would be that the Reaper would become or at least gain more of a power spec, especially with rumors that the scourge you know as it is now named would not would be a condi and or support spec uh so i guess i'm a little bit disappointed that it looks like that hasn't happened and may not happen but uh you know so th that's a disappointment but i would i've been pleasantly surprised by how bounce have turned out given my general reticence to have them in the first place so you know it's winning me over I think anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I am not easily won over. I will hold a grudge about Ascended Gear for <laughs> five years. I still have a grudge about Ascended Gear. Exactly. Let's not talk I about it. I didn't know you were my cat. <laughs> so, side note, have you guys ever done the event with the King Grab in Ore? I I don't have time for a side event. <laughs> it's, okay, I'm sorry. Gonna, I'm going to call it now. Um, unless there was anything else for CastCast, eminently Do you want speaking. me to read an old-timey fend letter? Or is there another one? It? But he sent me one in game, uh, and he basically sent me. I should just thank him. Uh, Fen sent me a uh, blossom, a a passion flower boss blossom, because he said that uh, he heard that perhaps maybe my wife was a little bit creeped out by the fact that I read in an old timey Fen voice, and so I was to give her the flower. So I did, and then I got her real flowers, so that she would be less confused and yeah so there we go so thank you fend for the flower and for the inspiration to get my wife real flowers there you go <laughs> there you go all right uh spirit did you have anything else you want to mention i am good for this week all right excellent well thank you dear listeners for joining us for this long ramble cast i'm sure we will be back next week to talk about this more and in the following weeks pending more demos more news uh and you know, before long, it'll be out because they announced it crazy close to release. So it's an exciting time. And thank you for tuning in and sticking with us. And we will be back next week. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. 
If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.